is Mike McNamara, and you're listening to All Marine Radio on your home for it, the one and only All Warrior Radio Network. St. Patrick's Day, no, <clears throat> no less. I, uh, yeah. And because I'm, I don't really proclaim my Irish ancestry, no, I'm not ashamed of it or anything like that. Um, oh, welcome back to Mike Marletto. First day back in Conus, turning in live, and you fuck up the intro. Yeah, not once, but three times. Yeah, welcome home. Yeah, anyway. Sorry about that. Um, yeah, I'm not so much Irish. I'm American. Just we American. Yeah, born here, raised here. Like Other people in my family are from Ireland, and so... I guess at some point, but that is not, I'm, yeah, not so much me. But it is St. Patrick's Day, so for a lot of people, any excuse to go throw down some booze, right? Good luck to you if you're doing that. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I've never been a big St. Patrick's Day guy. But in, nonetheless, it is St. Patrick's Day, so happy St. Patrick's Day to everybody. Uh, Will Costantini is going to join me this morning, and I wanted to ask, you know, this whole discussion about um, MIGs, right? I wanted to give Will a, a list of hardware and give him the uh, give him the option and say, Hey Will, which of these would you would would you want, right, if you were if you were the Ukrainian military? And so we're gonna and so we do that. And to get, you know, and the list is this. And it's interesting, Mike, Mar Mike Marletto is back in the country because w one of the things on the list is 
is counter-battery radar. What is doing all the damage over there? Russian artillery, okay? So is targeting an issue, right? And how are they targeting? Uh, you know, you see anecdotal stories about drone operators providing grid coordinates for indirect fire. Now, can uh, does the Ukrainian military still have the um, the indirect fire capability to reach out and and impact if they get a grid coordinate? I don't know, right? So when you look at a list that would include drones, okay, unmanned drones, shooting drones, all right, drones that go boom um, on the list, drones with cameras on the list, right, known as ISR, Intelligence Surveillance Reconnaissance, Stingers, Javelins, anti-air systems, the S-300 talked about a lot, and everything short of that that is more than a stinger, right? So when we talk about more than a stinger, we talk about, you know, going further north in the sky, being able to reach out at greater ranges and at higher altitudes. So we're talking about that. And, uh, but again, the no-fly zone, so think about that, the no, this no-fly zone. What is, what, is, what is hammering the Ukrainian people? It's not aviation. It is indirect fire. So even, you know, so civilian corridors and things like that, it's not Russian aviation that is impacting those corridors. It's Russian indirect fire that hammers them. So even, you know, so it's a bit of a head scratcher. But anyway, I uh, want to have that discussion. So Will comes on and, and I give him a list of six things, right? So on the list would be, a300 anti-air system, stinger javelin, counter-battery radar, drones of any variety that shoot, and MiGs. Vertically prioritize those. So anyhow, and then, and and again, all in the backdrop of Russia as a nuclear power, and every one of those weapons, save the MiG is used to defend yourself, okay? The MiG can be used in, in, as an offensive capability and therefore, you know, be justified as a, uh, as you've crossed the line to provide them capability to attack me, therefore I'm gonna retaliate. So again, in that broad, you know, spectrum uh, will come. Will will come on, and you'll hear him discuss that. I, I'm also trying to get uh, Kurt Knowles to come on. Our air officer in Afghanistan, one of them, he and Richard Lane, Metro and Rudy, where their call signs. But again, um, you know, if this is what you're trying to do, these guys employed um, aviation assets in combat. And what would you be, you know, what would your thoughts be about, you know, what's the best way to, to create a no-fly zone with, a, with more MiGs or with more, with S-300 systems? And all the different systems below that. I've forgotten all the designation. SA-18, SA-16, 
yada, yada, yada. Essay eight, I don't remember all of them, but there's a bunch of them. So that family, you know, so, but I, Rudy's kind of <clears throat> doing some stuff this morning. So we'll see if he can join us. But, um, so on the, on the, in the aftermath of President Zelensky's talks and, um, you know, we're looking at, you know, what can America do? Because again, it's in our specific interest that that the, that Russia is greatly diminished. It's in our specific inf- interest that Vladimir Putin goes away, in my opinion. Now, I saw a conversation in an interview this morning uh, with uh, with William Barr, who's written a book, and in the in the um, in the interview, one of the things that got asked was this. What are your thoughts on President Biden managing Ukraine's fight against Russia so it leaves Putin in power because he needs Putin to do a deal with Iran? And I just, my mouth, like, dropped open what like now we're going to combine two really fucked up ideas so we can fuck it up even worse get rid of Putin be done with him Iran and you're just I heard that and honestly I was incredulous But it sounded to me like so much something somebody in Washington would think would be a good fucking idea. A deal with the Iranians. And again, they will say yes to anything to get a deal done. Why? On the backside of that is money that they desperately want. And they'll agree to it and then they'll violate the shit out of it. So I don't get it. I I don't get it. And to think that that we would some way, shape, or form manage... Ukraine's fight against the Russians in order to make sure that Putin stays in power. So we need him for like, oh my God, are you fucking kidding me? Make it stop. So on that really positive note this morning, yeah, exactly. The United States Marine Corps Band makes uh, this St. Patrick's Day official. Good morning to you. Hmm, that's odd.
This is uh, dedicated to the Russian soldiers that are the Russian soldiers, the Ukrainian soldiers that are that go out and hunt Russian tanks. I saw some video today, and uh, small groups with javelins, radios, right, binoculars. You could see them, you know, looking in the distance, and then they launch a javelin, and then you see their reaction when it hits its target. And uh, it takes a lot of courage to go tank hunting, man. You screw that one up, and it doesn't work out so well. So to uh, all those men and women who, who go out and do that stuff, I mean, God bless you. And again, um, yesterday in our conversation, I mean, there is nuclear calculus in this equation, without a doubt. But if you can stay away, if you can, if you can stay away from that nuclear calculus line, short of that, the United States and the free nations of the world ought to do, ought, ought to empty right the magazines, getting stuff to Ukraine so they can defend themselves. Everything goes right. Everything short of you know, in my opinion, MIGs because they're an offensive capability. And, and if he construes that as going across the line, everything else I'm going to provide, though, is defensive in nature. Empty it. Get it there yesterday. So with that said, this is to get dedicated to those you know, men and women who go out with javelins, with stingers, and, uh, and go fight. That takes a lot of courage and uh, tank fighting, not for the faint of heart. <laughs> betraying your whole life if you don't say what you think and you don't say it honestly and bluntly what keeps you awake at night nothing i keep other people awake at night for this campus had prepared him well <clears throat> i'm very confident that thank you very much <clears throat> if this was vodka it'd be a lot better speech <clears throat> but I'm not supposed to glamorize alcohol anymore. So young folks, you ignore what I just said. We just have to execute. And we are executing every day. And so our major and I are very proud of what you do. 
Doesn't mean we can't get better. We don't. We don't want to make a mistake to learn. We don't want to lose to learn. We cannot lose if we have to go fight. We got to do what these Marines did here 75 years ago: persevere against difficult, challenging conditions and odds and win. You got to win. Check the top news headlines, and then uh, you'll hear from Will in this in this discussion about MIGs, and it, and it's a nuanced discussion about weapon systems and and what he thinks would be the most appropriate weapon systems, and where do MIGs rack and stack in that? So you'll hear that. Um, currently in Quantico, raining in '53, Marine Corps Air Station. Cherry Point, home in Second Marine Air Wing. Partly sunny in 64. 29 Palms, sunny in 60. Pendleton, sunny in 58. Love that. Camp Smith, dark cloudy and 70. Okinawa, dark dark raining in 72. In Darwin, that's on the northern coast of Australia. Dark cloudy, 81. In Kiev, it is partly sunny and 33. Kiev is probably, well, I'll check it out, but I think they're 11 hours ahead. Current time in Germany's nine. Five twenty-three p.m. So, 1,700, that's 11 hours ahead. So, late in the day in Kiev, it is mostly sunny and 33. Currently at the home of Almering Radio, it is fair skies, whatever the hell that means. But the sun's out, I can tell you that. And 75 degrees today. Yeah, how about that? Awesome. 71 tomorrow, 65 on Saturday, 68 on Sunday, 72 on Monday. So, a little cooler than we'd like, but uh, that is a look at your weather. Uh, Look at uh, just a few headlines, and then we'll do the top five in in, uh, in the early bird. So give me one second. Uh, Top story in Stars and Stripes uh, involves the theater in Maripool that was targeted. And, I mean, you look at this, and there's some regimes when you see things like this happen. um, They will use civilians as shields, right? And so... Uh, in uh, they will put a command and control node underneath at the basement of an apartment trying to hide it, okay? And then when it gets hit, you know, civilians are killed. You know, what you have here is a theater in the middle of no nothing, okay? You have children written in the parking lot on, on, on each side of it in big letters. 
how the hell does that get hit? Um, it's, I mean, it's stunning the way, and that's why this whole, when I saw this, it was probably about an hour ago, and it was Bill Hemmer that asked Bill Barr this. Do you give any credence to the idea that the president of the United States is trying to manage the Ukrainian conflict in order to get Putin's cooperation with on the Iran deal? And that where did I not have the thick skull that I have, my head would have exploded. What the fuck? Yeah. So a guy who unleashes this on the people on the and the civilians of Ukraine, this is not a. I mean, what you see them destroying the cities there. That's a shit culture led by shit people. And again, I try not to make when we do this kind of open source ops intel. I try not to get too political about it, but. God Almighty, man! If we are, if we have people that that are advocating that, as Will says, we're fucking doomed. Uh, subheadline in Stars and Stripes: Pentagon Russian advance remains mostly stalled across Ukraine as war enters its fourth week. Next headline: Biden approves 800 million in military aid for Ukraine, including thousands of anti-armor weapons. Another story that is interest of interest because of Grant's involvement in the program, and that is this headline, U.S. and the Philippines prepare to kick off the largest ever Balakatan drill ahead of Duterte's exit. So, again, the calculus of where the Philippines is in the South China Sea is big calculus, right? So those are the... the um, That is a, uh, a look at the headlines in Stars and Stripes. Uh, real quick, the top headline in the Wall Street Journal is Ukraine awaits words of survivors after Russia hits theater. Top headline in the New York Times this morning is as Russia's advance slows, more attacks hit civilians. Top headline in USNI News. Russian warships shelling towns near Odessa as naval activity increases in the northern Black Sea. Top story in Marine Corps Times today is a story about why Marines fired cannons off the coast of North Carolina. So that's in Marine Corps times. And top five stories in early bird. And as, as I said, will we'll, we'll join us. Um, number one, Zelensky tells U.S. Congress, we need you right now. Uh, if you haven't watched that speech, I would tell you you should watch it. But again, um, if, if a speech like that, which is emotional, I, you know, and... and 
let me tell you, Zelensky's very good. And Will and I talk about this a little bit. But if if that kind of emotional f- plea has you changing your calculus on, on what is the right thing to do there and the most prudent course of action, then you haven't really thought through this. Okay? So, anyway. Uh, next headline, Easy Button Era. Have federal dollars unlocked a new age of domestic guard operations? Like, how can that be one of the top stories, really? Um, next one, number three. It's now easier for new parents to leave the Air Force and the Space Force. What the fuck? Right? Like, World War Three is teetering in Eastern Europe, and we're talking about parents leaving the Air Force and the, and the Space Force. Quote, not brain science. Here's how the Ukraine fighter swap would work. Okay. And number five, soldier tried to identify as a weak swimmer before Rangers school river drowning. So those are the top stories. Overseas operations. NATO launches analysis for hardening its eastern flank. Uh, Next one is a story by Reuters. Shells hit theater sheltering Ukrainian civilians. Biden calls Putin a war criminal. Next one is, here's everything the U.S. is sending Ukraine's military. Let me see if they give us a list here. All right, 800 million. So 800 Stinger anti-aircraft missile systems. That's a lot. Okay. 2,000 Javelin anti-armor systems. Okay, that's a fair number. A thousand light armored, anti armor weapons laws, right? 6,000 AT4s, anti armor system, another armored system, a little bit more robust, not a little bit, a little bit, yeah, a little, a little bit more robust than the maw, small, I'm sorry, law, um, but nowhere near the javelin. Okay, so. Six, and 6,000 of those AT-4s, which is Swedish-made. 100 tactical unmanned aerial systems. Drones known as Switchblade 300, a system equipped with cameras, guidance systems, and explosives. Again, the drone, really important. Okay? Really important. They kill a lot of shit, drones do. At least they, in my experience, they did. 7,000 small arms, including grenade launchers, rifles, pistols, machine guns, and shotguns. Over 20 million rounds of small arms ammunition, artillery, and mortars. That's not, that's not insignificant either. And then 25,000 sets of body armor and 25,000 helmets. So, um, again, NATO needs to unleash the drone into Ukraine. That's important. Okay, let me continue with headlines. Japan spots four Russian amphibious transports sailing from the Far East, presumably headed to the Black Sea to support naval operations in the Black Sea. Uh, Next headline from Al Jazeera, Russia's invasion of Ukraine, list of key events from day 22. So I'll go through that here in a second when I 
do a couple of summaries. Ukraine's combat losses strike a painful chord with U.S. military veterans. Gotcha. Some Afghan evacuees head home after months of waiting for U.S. entry. All right. Um, the last 24 hours. Again, the map hasn't changed. Isolated cities, Maripol, Chernihiv, right, are still being shelled. Russian warships shelling Odessa on the Black Sea, and again, have not seen any attempt at what would appear to be an amphibious operations. So, not much movement from yesterday. The map would con confirm that. Ukrainians claim to have made counterattacks against the Russians northwest of Kleve, but this does not appear to reflect to be reflected yet. Though it does seem like they are now contesting Buka again after appearing to lose it for a few days. And there is also an operation to destroy Russian aircraft in a Kyrgyzstan airfield, which does have a fair amount of third-party evidence of being successful. And then this news service estimates that at least a half dozen Russian helicopters were damaged or destroyed in the fighting. There has also been Russian naval shelling of Odessa. Ukrainian armed forces continue to call the town of Izium contested despite fierce pressure from the Russians to take it. So that kind of, again, the summaries. Here's a few of the latest pieces of news. Um, this is coming out of Estonia from their intelligence services, right? Not a lot of movement. The Russians are advancing slowly in the east, and Ukraine is pushing out a bit from Mykolaiv, no expected major offensive in the next few days, though long-term Ukraine is concerned with their troops in eastern Ukraine getting cut off. No real hope for meaningful diplomacy other than exchanging POWs. So we had a conversation about you know, the, the losses that, that the Russian military has uh, experienced, right? Three independent sources report that the deputy chief of Russia's Rosgvardia, a unit of Russia's interior army, which has had tremendous losses in the Ukraine, General Roman Gerilov, has been detained by the Russian, quote-unquote, secret police. Garlov has previously worked for FSO, which is Putin's security service. Next story. This is by that Jack Desch. Right? Slovo Slovakia is in talks to give Russian-made S-300 systems to the Ukraine, but would need to backfill that. That's a, that's a with the United States, right, expected to... Um, be the vehicle backfilling it. The Brits have announced they will de 
deployed their version of the Patriot missile system to Poland. So that will make the Poles feel good. Let me get to Dan Lamoth. He's got a couple interesting tweets here in the last uh, little bit. Uh, he's traveling with the Secretary of Defense. So 32 minutes ago, he tweeted this. The Secretary of Defense is in Slovakia right now and did a press event with a Slovakian right, a Minister of Defense. Slovakia says it's willing to provide Ukraine with S-300 air system, but wants assurances that they'll be provided with some other system to defend themselves. SecDef said nothing would be announced today. Uh, this is about seven minutes ago. Quote, we have seen that drones have been very effective. We also have seen that having the ability to conduct counterfire with rockets and artillery is also very effective. And so I think increasingly we'll see the Ukrainian forces turn to those methods to counter that. <clears throat> Next comment, and Will and I talk about this. Some have suggested giving Ukraine more counterbattery radar so Ukrainians forces can get a sense of where the Russians are launching artillery from is important, would also force the Russians to shoot and scoot more. To date, the U.S. has provided four counter-artillery radar and four counter-mortar mortar radar. I didn't know there was a difference. Um, maybe there is. I mean, for us in Iraq and Afghanistan, there was not. They were the same kind of systems. Um and, you know, it was interesting when we went to Iraq in 2004, um, General Mattis had made comments about the Army's heavy-handed, and specifically the 82nd Airborne Division shooting counter-battery fires when they were fired upon. And when we got there, you know, they weren't happy about it. They were pissed. And so, you know, they asked us, like, hey, man, what the fuck's up with your CG? talking shit about what we're doing over here. He doesn't understand what we're doing. And we were like, uh, uh, uh. And they said, you know, if we didn't shoot counter-battery fire, we're not, we know we're not going to kill them. But if we don't shoot, what they'll do is they'll level the guns up again, which is what you do because the, um, you know, let's just say you fire six rounds out of a mortar tube and artillery tube, right? The concussion moves the moves the gun a little bit. And so by what is called leveling up, right, you come back to your aiming points and your reference points and you get the gun back on its, the target you set it on, right? And that's how you account for the movement of the gun in the dirt. And so you maintain accurate fires. So anyway, um, their their comment was, if we didn't, we're, the only thing we're trying to do when we, we, when we shoot counter battery is fires is to make them move because they'll drop six or eight rounds on us. If we don't shoot at them, they'll drop 16 to 24 on us. And we're sitting at let's going, Oh, <laughs> sorry. You know, on our, on his behalf, we would apologize because that makes sense. And then we did the exact same thing. Right. So again, what you're hearing, uh, is extremely, extremely important. So that's some stuff from Dan Lamoth. Um, and so there's a bit of a, a synopsis, you know, much focus on aid flowing into Ukraine from the West. And again, 
you know, I think it doesn't. You don't. You don't need to be a rocket science scientist to see this is not gone the way the Russians want it to. And now, in its stalled event, right, the West needs to be mindful of the red line to supply offensive weapons that might trigger a nuclear response from Vladimir Putin, provide defensive weapons, which is perfectly acceptable, and get them in their hands yesterday. And so the question that I'm, I, I wanted Will to come on and talk about is S-300 you know, anti-air system, drones, counter-battery radars, Stinger, Javelin, and MiGs will rack and stack those things for me. So, um, without further ado, I present to you Colonel William Costantini, United States Marine Corps, retired, right, considering those things. Uh, Joining me on this Thursday to talk about President Zelensky's speech is Will Costantini, um, residing in a suburb of Kansas City, Kansas. Will, first of all, the world is riveted on the weather in the Midwest, as you reported on a not daily basis, but sometimes. Can you give us an update? What uh, what is going to be the variance in your weather today? Well, it's uh, it's springtime in northeast Kansas today. Going to get up into the seventies, but we will revert tomorrow with lows in the thirties and highs in the forties. So. Typical uh, spring here in the Midwest. Have you, be become, have you become a Midwestern, Midwesterner in your heart? You seem to have no. great, great affinity for it. Absolutely not. Oh, really? Absolutely not. Oh, this is just no. a, Thun- an act that you put on? No, it's just as we pass through these different places. Yeah. Got it. Got it. Got it. Well, are you still an upstate New Yorker in your heart of hearts? or what? Because you have affinity for the Tampa area. I do. Yeah. No. Well, um, if you're a true New Yorker, it never leaves. (laughs) Conjure up, right? A New Yorker's view of the world, right? There you go. Um, (laughs) You know, here's the thing. Here's what happens. Um, Here's what happens in the Midwest. So you're sitting around with a group of people that you know pretty well, you know, and people are talking shit, et cetera. And when someone makes a, a good biting comment, They'll always follow it up with, hey, you know, I'm just kidding. Just give me a hard time. <laughs> and a true Northeasterner never even, follows up with that. Doesn't even know how then, to say it. And then tries to riff <laughs> once more and twist that knife again. And I can never get used to people around here that do the, oh, you know, just, hey, just, just, you know, just give me a hard time. Because then I give them the straight face, well, Go fuck yourself. And boy, that sets them on their heels <laughs> until they get to know me. But, you know, I, so, I I think many times, though, it's disingenuous when they say it. I, often. Yeah. And so to hey, me, that I, makes it worse. And that means I have to retaliate against you disproportionately because I learned that from the Israelis. Because if I don't, you're going to think this is OK, that you can like. You can throw out the "with all due respect" comment, and then that's the that's the visa card to be a shithead. And so I just so don't take it personally, but I have to hammer the shit out of you here in public, 
and I'm more than happy to do it, but you did start it, and I need to put an end to this. So, You know, uh, a famous man once said, Uh-oh. take everything personally because it's meant personally. <laughs> you know who that famous man was? Your father. Jeff Kenny. <laughs> take everything personally because it's meant personally. There is the creed. <laughs> you know what? That is the creed. And you don't need to look very far from that to know that he meant, he meant every word of it. I, I want to, I wanted to, you know, get you guys on. And I think I was remiss in sending out this, my text, but we'll catch up with, uh, with, uh, Tim and, and Jeff, uh, president Zelensky went on, uh, you know, addressed Congress. Interestingly enough, Congress went to an auditorium to hear this. Now, I'm not sure if they didn't want to lend the uh, august surroundings of, uh, of the congressional chamber to the event. I, I would have to do a little reading about that, and I haven't had a chance to do that. Uh, but they, he addressed them in a room, and I, I thought that was kind of odd. Um, but I, I will tell you this, as you and I have talked, um, he is no stranger to the media. Right, he is. Uh, he's exceedingly comfortable with it. His starting from his, I mean, his great line: "I don't need a ride; I need weapons." Right. Um, he has uh, a survived physically. Uh, B. You see him now in hospitals presenting, essentially either Purple Hearts or decorations for valor. Uh, you see the things that he says addressing the parliaments of the free world, and uh, he is certainly. Uh, you see the word Churchillian associated with him, and uh, and his offensive, his verbal offensive, you know, came to the United States yesterday, and he's very good at it. So I'd be curious to know uh, your thoughts about it, and uh, and then I want to talk about the aftermath. I want to talk about this great debate of the MIG, and as as military guys, if we're gonna stack rack and stack certain capabilities, I'll, I'll give you a list, and you can rack them and tell me. Uh, if, if you were in charge of the Ukrainian military, what would you want first from uh, the free nations of the West? So first things first, your thoughts on uh, on his comments. Yeah, I don't uh, I did not watch uh, the speech uh, because I don't I never watch that stuff. It's political theater and it's meant to get an emotional response um, that prevents sort of a thoughtful analysis of uh, what's good for him, what's good for us, you know, what's good for him, what's good for me, and then what's good for us. And so uh, I I have read uh, some of the reaction to it and seen uh, things about it. And, uh, you know, there was a cascade yesterday of people, oh, you know, give him the MIGs, give him the MIGs, give him the MIGs. And, um, you know, I think you and I, you, you said it and, and, and I wholeheartedly agree if by watching a speech, your calculus on the actual interests of the United States change, then that means your calculus is not very deep and, and thoughtful. Um, you know, Zelensky, again, he's a professional uh, entertainer, uh, used to being on camera in front of people. Remember what he said about potential Russian prisoners 10 days ago. We're going to slaughter you like pigs. 
So that would be a direct contravention to the Geneva Convention, right? That would... Well, that the, would the context a, was the artillerymen that were shelling civilians, right? Right. And that was, he's saying, you are a terrorist and we will slaughter you like pigs. I think that, that, if, if, to round it out, right? Not all prisoners. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And so that that would make him, right, encouraging a war crime. And let's just think back on undue command influence. What had what would have happened had one of our presidents said that during the last 20 years, right? It's a great defense of court martial. And so, but he was playing to an audience there and played very well. So he's playing to this audience here, um, congressmen who for the most part, are actually are not the smartest people in the world. Uh, what? Yeah. And so what are the U.S. interests in this, and how does it change because he got up and spoke about it? Um, Quoted Martin Luther King twice. I have a dream for my country. You watch that and you're like, whoa. Yeah. Well done. Yeah, well, I think, well, well, play, well played. Right. And I think I saw the riff on that. I have a dream that you bomb Russia. You know? <laughs> I mean, it's, uh, you know, now the, the no-fly zone is a humanitarian uh, thing as opposed to... Um, you know, I, I don't know. It just, it was, uh, yeah, the imagery is a little bit mixed. Yeah, when you're quoting Martin Luther King to justify increased military expenditures, uh, yeah, I don't know. King actually was a pacifist. God bless no, him. No, the, the only thing you could say is well done. Well done. Yeah. So. Well because, again, what, what are you playing to? Right? Yeah, you're emotion. Play, you're playing Pure to. Your emotion. Uh, the emotion of politicians, and then you saw a lot of it on dis display uh, thereafter. Um, and again, if that has changed your calculus about the, the conversation, then you haven't had very many serious conversations. I got an email. I got two e emails yesterday. One saying, you know, I, I listened to you guys. People are just now coming to your analysis from three weeks ago relative to terrain, what it would force on the Russians, and this window. And I can't, almost can't even watch it because it's so exceedingly, um, uh, I, I would characterize the word ignorant or whatever, shallow, um, in this very, very serious discussion. And... Um, and that's, again, but that's what you get from the talking heads and then the politicians that they traffic in emotion, right? They traffic in emotion for political points. And so in the aftermath of his speech yesterday, you know, again, very, very, um, uh, very, very predictable comments by very, very predictable people who do everything in search of political points. And so uh, are they serious about na uh, the nation's interest, the nation's uh, security? And uh, 
most of them, the wind blows on that, those issues, both those issues. So it was, it was, it was, I would say, amusing to watch, and there, with very few people addressing the substantive questions about his nuclear arsenal. As you push him, are you because? And 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 if we can transit transition from Zelensky to you as a, a military commander, if I gave you. If, if I gave you a list that says, tell me what, rack and stack these in terms of your priority. And MIGS is, MIGS is on the list. Counter-battery radar is on the list. Okay. You have javelins on the list. You have stingers on the list. Um, you have the S-300 system on the list, as well as other maybe systems a little bit less than the S-300, but capable of touching, you know, well into the atmosphere in terms of range, okay? Um, and you're talking about SA-814, whatever the fucking numbers are. I, I've, I'm not up to my TAC war um, speed in terms of Russian capabilities. But um, talk to me about that, Will, in terms of racking and stacking. You know, if you're, as a military guy, what would you want a to put a umbrella over, you know, your your military and oh by the way the civilian evacuation corridors, and as well as you know I'm on the. I might be on the verge of of routing the Russian military out of my country. Um, yeah, so rack and stack those. It seems like right now the biggest threat that that the Russians have is artillery, and. The second biggest threat, I think, is uh, aviation in support of armor. Um, and this is, listen, I'm not, I'm not trying to follow the tactical part of this because I found it just impossible. Right. Um, and so, if the biggest threat is artillery, the the question is, do the Ukrainians have enough artillery that a counter battery radar would be useful to them? Right, the counter battery radar. Um, if you can't respond or can't, if you can't use the queuing that it has, and I don't know what the Ukrainian uh, artillery capability is, but if it, if they have it, then that would seem to be the number one thing to eliminate the biggest threat. The uh, second, would thing, you would you uh, explain to everybody what counter battery radar is for those people that aren't familiar? Yeah, basically the the and and this is an infantryman's perspective on counter battery radar. Right? <laughs> the enemy shoots a projectile up into the atmosphere, and your radar picks it up and triangulates the source of where that came from. So now you can target whoever shot that artillery round, and essentially a, hor um, a horizontal beam that gets shot out from uh, receivers and nodes, right? And when the round goes up, you get what's called a point of origin, a poo. And then when the round comes back down, you get a point of impact. And then it does the calculation. It gives you about a 12-digit grid where these things happen at, and it will do it within seconds. So yeah, li within, literally, yeah, li literally. It, it's a yeah phenomenal... Uh, system particularly when tied to a rapid responder that's basically shooting on that queuing um, and so 
do the Ukrainians have that kind of capability to actually have the shooter go out? Because it's really, it might be interesting to have a counter-battery radar to know where people are shooting from, but if you can't instantaneously respond, it's not very useful because artillery very often can shoot then pick up and move away from there. So it's not like, oh, we know where they're shooting from, so tomorrow we'll launch a special forces raid right. or something like that. It's not useful. So I, I would say if they have that, that'd be number one. Number two would be uh, the air defense. And so is that, can you sustain a sophisticated, integrated air defense system like any of those numbered systems, S-300, which is a, you know, that's integration of missiles and radar. And it's, it's, uh, it's techie, right? You know, it's not like um, you get former uh, Georgian special forces guys that come over the border uh, to fight for you and hand them this system and they know what to do with it. And so again, do you have the capability <clears throat> to operate and sustain that? And so I think that would be two. And, 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 and again, just so everybody knows, we're talking about logistical support, right? Something, a, yeah. a, a, a cable blows out and now the system's down because you don't have a cable. And I can tell you this, man, we, I mean, some of the nuanced parts of counter-battery radar I mean, when that those those things would go down, you know, your counter battery radar would be down for, you know, a week until you could get the part into country, get it installed. And it was a high priority. But again, so and we're talking about the United States with this logistical effort. So, you know, you can see the problem. It's easy to, to say, oh, yeah, get the S300 in there, but you got to get it there. You got to have the people to operate it. Right. Yeah. And then you got to be able to sustain it. And these are all. Again, non-ferry dustable questions. You can't ferry dust it, but then it will be ineffective in a matter of days, in my opinion. Yeah, and and I would say too, you know, the the U.S. military um, has got a lot of strengths and capabilities, but we are the eight hundred pound gorilla world champion in logistics. Um, you know, almost too good in some respects oh you're short a bottle of water a week and a half later you're drowning right that's how we do logistics um which because in warfare that's the way to do it overwhelm so anyways so we said if you can uh support it with shooters counter battery if you can integrate maintain a system you know a sophisticated air defense uh, if you can't necessarily do those things, then I think, you know, Stinger and Javelin are, are right there because they're single man operated um, systems that while neither of them go after the biggest threat, Russian artillery, uh, they prevent Russian artillery from integrating with other arms, i.e. aviation and ground. And I would say of the five, far, far, far in a way, the fifth most important, other than for pure emotional and symbolism, is MiGs. I, what, what, how many what, MiGs are they talking through, about? Through, there's, there's a sixth one, drones, though. Any, oh, yeah. any, drone, think, any drone that we could send, where would you put that in the list? Yeah, I think drones would be, be, and I would say item one, just for intelligence purposes, propaganda purposes, and then if 
you can get shooter drones right. in there. They are, and I think that drones are easy to operate yes. compared to the other systems. And um, at, at the low end, pretty damn cheap. Uh, so they can be overwhelming. So, so they would, uh, I think that they'd be number three, just barely ahead of any kind of anti-air or uh, anti-armor man portable system. And mostly for the intelligence uh, value of it. You get, you know, enemy location. Also, you get battle damage assessment. Um, for me, and I would tell you, for me, drones are number one. I, I, I would take and, and even about why. even if so I put the caveats on the whole counter battery you got to have something to go got with it, it. Right. and in an area you got to have for that reason if you can't do that they right. fall to the bottom right for that reason um the drone to me is 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 number one because and I, I again I used the shit out of them uh in what I did and they'll go up and they'll stay up for 12 hours right you're up there and and again you can use in the camera but you know you can they're precision guided munitions most for the most part some of these are kamikaze drones and so they are extremely effective in terms of getting kills on the battlefield and you're not risking anybody so you don't that's not part of your calculus in terms of preserving the pilot and so to me those drones are, are the the first thing that, that should be there in order to tilt the battle space. Everything else comes with uh, a logistical tail that may or may not be supportable in, in the current environment. And that's why, to me, the drone piece is number one. And uh, anyway, that, that my opinion anyway. But talk. You, no, I, you don't, started I don't to, disagree. You started talking about the MiGs. So the MiG thing. Yeah, and so I haven't seen the numbers. Have you seen any numbers that they're talking about? No, I haven't. I just hear, I just, plural. So at least two. Yeah, so is it is it two? Is it a squadron, eight, 12? Is it, is it 30? Well, you know, the MiGs, uh, so item one, qualified pilots, qualified ground crew, spare parts, Etc. You know, and so how aviation works, uh, and all your aviator buddies out there can come after me <laughs> on this one. But basically, you start out. You got a mission, and you got eight airplanes to start the mission. So you say, okay, how many airplanes do I need to get eight up in the air? So maybe on the first day, the first launch. Well, if I have eight, I'll get eight up in the air. But eight that you started with rapidly becomes six rapidly becomes four. So on the third day of the conflict, you need eight airplanes on the airfield to be able to get four up in the air. Um, and that was our, I mean, I'm, I'm talking mostly with the rotary wing because that's what, you know, when you deploy on the MU, but that, that was my calculus as a battalion, as a ground guy. First lift, yeah, eight's probably gonna make eight, but after that, eight to make six. And I'll tell you, if we're doing this for three days, eight to make four. And so we're talking a relatively sophisticated, you know, whatever, Gen 2, Gen 3 fighter, MiG, whatever it is, uh, flying from an identifiable airfield. I don't think there's a lot of airfields in Ukraine that the Russians don't know where they are. Yeah, that's to me is, that to me is puzzling about this, because what the Russians did to that airfield, to me, you would expect that they would target every 
um, every airfield that they thought there was activity at near, and, 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 they, and they would crater the shit out of it, or at least service that target on a daily basis, you know, to inhibit the, the, the Ukrainian ability. But, it, you know, you read, and it says the Ukrainians still have uh, the overwhelming majority of their aviation assets intact. And you're like, how the hell yes. can that be? So it sounds like they're not doing much. Yeah, exactly. And so here would be here would be the interesting thing as well. So you're sitting. In and again, that, that number is thought to be between twenty six and thirty three. So twenty six. Twenty six and thirty three airplanes in a country the size of what? You know, it's almost irrelevant. Right. But think if you're Putin. Oh. The MIGs are coming. The MIGs are coming. Everyone in the West is all excited. U.S. Senators, President, the President of Poland, yada, yada, yada. They send the MIGs. What the fuck do you think his number one target's going to be? I'll show you, bastards. You said 24 MIGs out here? They would get smoked on day one. Right? Mm-hmm. The whole propaganda thing of of that side of it, I think. And Or you wouldn't do anything to them and let them just be a burden. To the Ukrainians, I, I think that I think this MIG thing is well. And, and, okay, so we've talked we've talked about this thing in terms of you know <clears throat> the calculus of his nuclear weapons, and and to people that would simply fairy dust that away, um, uh, I would say you can't do that as a policymaker. That you you have to, and especially. Again, if his physical survival is t- tied to the survival of his regime and this fucker's turning on him and you send those MIGs, I mean, to me, everything you've done, you can say every one of the weapon systems we send, we sent was so they could defend themselves. Not one of those things can be used in the offensive mode. Okay? So in terms of, you know, supporting, you know, your adversary, which is which was which would be operating in our national interest, we are operating well within the boundaries of conventional norms in terms of supplying a would-be ally and not violating, not giving them any offensive weaponry that they could use against you. So you can rest on that intellectual uh, premise. Now, I think that's important because do you have the right to fuck with that? And so as he tries to get his ass out of, of, of Ukraine, right, and this thing is now, and again, just... I don't think you have, this is not much of an intellectual stretch. The spring thaw is there. They cannot get off the roads. Now, the dumbest of all dumb bombs, the landmine, comes into fucking play. Now they can't even get out of Ukraine without getting their shit hammered. And everything they try to do gets made harder by these fucking landmines that we can have a squad of Ukrainian infantrymen put in at night and there's nobody around and we're going to blast the shit out of them. Okay, so now it gets infinitely, infinitely more difficult, and I don't want to say like the route is on, but kind of the route is on, and there's nothing that gets uglier, right? When people that are pissed smell blood in the water. <clears throat> now he's trying to extricate himself from this, and you don't think that he would shoot a tactical nuke and smoke a town to send everybody a message of uh, if you think I'm fucking around, you you're talking to the wrong person. Because not only am I going to lose, I'm going to die. And so, you know, I, I, again, I don't think that's much of a stretch. With And, and I don't know that you have the you – you should roll the dice on that when you have other better options, 
when you look at where these MIGs rack and stack in terms of capabilities. So talk about the policy implications from your seat on the E-ring at the Pentagon. Yeah, I, I got to tell you, um, I, I think you've seen a certain discussion in the press about, uh, well, when Putin invokes the nuclear threat, you know, it can't be serious. If that's all he's got, yada, yada, yada. But um, uh, I think, you know, with a lot of policy, what you're trying to figure out is where's the edge of the cliff, right? right. And so how close do I want to get to that edge? And um, uh, when it comes to someone who's got nuclear weapons, I don't want to get too close to the edge of that cliff because well, the edge of the cliff and a lot of policy is, oops, sort of screwed that one up. Country can recover from that. Um, like it or not, look at, look at the war in Iraq and Afghanistan, right? Those are in many ways, low risk to the United States. As we sit here in 2022, at least we sort of fucked both of those up. But the average American, uh, not first order affected by it. Maybe second order affected economically and some other, but not first order effect. So that cliff, we fell off that cliff. It wasn't too fall, too hard of a fall. You fall off a cliff, you get too close to the edge and whoops. And it becomes a nuclear exchange. How do you? I mean, how can you remotely predict how far you fall from there? And I think you see the entire time during the Cold War um, that <clears throat> as the history is written, you see people were very, very careful about um, where are we willing to have a true standoff and confrontation? And there were significant calculations done. And so, again, when we hear senators, congressmen, um, celebrities, they don't, they're not the ones that are gonna be holding that bag. Uh, and I, it's, uh, I guess we've always had people like that uh, in the country. Um, but thankfully, we've had people with their hands on the keys that were a little more thoughtful about it. And uh, I, I, people that poo-poo that away, are, I don't want them anywhere close to being in charge because it's not just you that suffer the consequences. And there's no, when a nuclear weapon goes off or multiple of them, there's no saying, Oops, my bad. Really sorry about that. You know, uh, I fucked it up. No, you can't do that, right? Everything has changed. Whereas other stupid things that people advocate for, for the most part, we can sort of get over. We've proven that as a country. That one. And if you look in well, the if you look in the aftermath of Iraq, we destabilized the entire region. And, and then it bled into Europe with the, the refugee crisis, which, which had implications for Germany, France, and, 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 and many nations there. But as you said, 
um, that's recoverable. I mean, it, it, I mean, again, if you, if you live in the region, you're like, what the fuck did you just say? But again, what you're you're talking about when when that nuclear exchange, and let's just say, let's just say Putin assesses that if I don't stop them in their tracks, I'm going to be hanging from the wall of the Kremlin. They're going to come for me. They're going to drag my body through the street. And I'm not having that because again, one of the great things, uh, that was evidently said about Putin and his approach to uh, the United States and different things was he watched the video of Muammar Gaddafi when he was drugged through the street, when his body was fucking drug around. And he saw this happen a couple of different times. And he's like, that ain't happening to me. I ain't going out like that. Right. And so, so that, that exchange starts. So let's just say, Pick a city of, of 200,000 in the Ukraine, and he smokes it, right? And it's relatively near the Polish border. What is NATO's response? Nothing? Yeah. How about something, you know, even more goofy? He doesn't set off a tactile. He sets off an EMP bomb, you know, Tell over Western it, Europe. Explain to me So electromagnetic is. pulse. So it basically wipes out all the microchips. So he does that over Western Europe. Now what do we do? Oh, that's an act of war. But think of think of how this goes. Yeah, but nobody got killed. Well, actually, a whole lot of people are going to get killed because shit in the hospitals won't work, yeah, and the, the, the dialysis machine, the cars and everything. The dialysis yeah. machine shuts off and all that, right? But it's like, yeah, but he didn't kill anyone. But then, but the, those are we don't want to be there. We just don't want to fucking be there, right? Right. And so, um, and and. You know, again, for all the idiots out there, none of whom are in our audience, um, but I would say people say, oh, w- w- when when we're afraid of what he could do, you know, you're just playing into his hands. I said, no. I said, you have to make this level of thought process before you start implementing policy because you can't go backwards. Should we be deterred in everything we do because Vladimir Putin has nuclear weapons? Absolutely not. But we should know where that line is, and we should be thoughtful about what we're willing to risk. And and I believe that providing um, the munitions <clears throat> and the aid uh, that we're providing, uh, I think that the sanctions regime that's going on are all well within the bounds. And you know what? We could all be wrong on this. And for all we know, there's a freaking nuke in the air right now heading our way. I mean, I doubt it, but it could be. Um, but I would say those are all well within the bounds. But certain things setting up a no-fly zone, which is which can only lead to confrontation, um, and, and that probably would, again, that would be on the bounds. A NATO, that would be a NATO enacted fly zone that would be enforced by NATO aviation assets, which gets you into a shooting confrontation. And the other thing is the sale of the MiGs, right, can be construed as that's an offensive capability that can you, that, and you just crossed the line. And, and my point in, 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 in kind of asking Will to rack and stack this stuff this morning is this, in that list, the MIG is really far down. You haven't seen like air-to-air combat. 
other than the dude that became an ace the first day. And we haven't heard shit from him in the last two and a half weeks. Okay. So there isn't so much with the, with the anti-air assets, even the stingers that are there. It makes life difficult, right? Afghanistan turned on that munition. Okay. And so you, we could say, yeah, there's other weapon systems that would go higher up, shoot farther. And yeah, I got it. But let me tell you, the Soviet aviation component, or the Soviet, the Russian aviation component, right, has been largely ineffective. It's not a, it, the dominant event is their indirect fire, as Will said. And so really what you can, what you can use to counter that is really, really fucking important. And if counter battery radar is that, then get it, to, get it there yesterday, right? Yeah, and you know, how did, uh, how did the MiGs become such a big deal? And, I, that's a good it, question because we back. Well, it, it we, shows ineptitude. It shows ineptitude of the U.S. leadership. And again, I don't want to get political, but how fucking hard is it for General Milley to call the chief of staff of the Polish army and said, hey, idiots, knock it off. Okay. You know, and I know, and we all know, go down the hall, tell your president to knock this shit off. We're actually trying to do something effective here. But we've been unable to do that. Well, and again, to me, right? the whole thing is a political event because we have this military exchange and, and, and we're talking and we say, hey, we're not there yet, right? We're, we're essentially shoving an offensive capability. Now, if you want to push those things across the border and leave the keys and, and, and stack all the spare parts and all the shit, that's on you, okay? But for us to be involved in it, you know, to me, you know, and so, so, so. But somebody- again, Poland's in NATO. Poland needs us more than we need Poland. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, point, so, why did you it go put public? the arm on him? Say, come on. I know, but because so, we're stupid. So why we're did why, why would the polls even we're take inept. it? Why would the polls even take it public? Because they recognize uh, that I, for for all I can, so I'm riffing on this. I have no idea. But the polls need us more than we need them. But the polls, their pol- politics is probably a little more on the conservative side than ours is. And they look at the U.S. leadership as being idiots so they can score some internal propaganda points within their own public and people in Eastern Europe for being the bold uh, leaders of the the of freedom out there. And, and re- they know hey, that they're never re- going to get called on it. And replace, you know that? And replace a bunch of... MIGs with F-16s and probably do yeah, it on, would the, be, on the cheap. That would be the second order effect. I don't think they ever thought that this would go through, right? Right. But but again, we don't have someone with enough stature. See, that would be a great mission for the vice president. Behind the scenes, right. this thing first bubbles up. Imagine, you know, Darth Vader, Dick Cheney getting on the phone <laughs> right. saying, hey, Guys, knock it off. Um, here's all the things we support you with. Here's the minimal expectations we put on you. Knock it off now. And I think it probably would have been knocked off. But we don't have, that guy. I mean, insanity that, that we allow this thing to become um, such a big deal and and now the 
all parts of the spectrum in the United States are calling for it. And, and again, if you're the president, it just diminishes you. And I mean, it makes you look inept. The arguments are completely coherent, but, but you don't want the president of the United States going out there saying, uh, look, they don't really need the MIGs. Right? I mean, it's just, it's stupid that we've gotten to this point, but we have. So another reason I want to be very careful about getting close to that nuclear clip, I've said, I, 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 the, the, I'm looking for the serious person up there and it's been difficult finding them. Yeah. The adult in the room. All right. Um, I know you, first of all, did you get your refrigerator delivered yesterday? Did that refrigerator happen? delivered? Yeah. Called, showed up, knocked it out of the park. I now have a working refrigerator in my kitchen. How long had you been having refrigerator issues? Well, my refrigerator had been sounding like a 38 Buick for about uh, <laughs> two months. But I thought, you know, if you just don't pay attention, it will go it away. It will go away, yeah. Just, Until the one morning I woke dead, up. It's just a dead mouse someplace in, a, in something rotating, and it'll get chopped up soon enough. Yeah, and so then I... One morning, got up and that cold drink of water was more lukewarm, but <laughs> but it was classic. I went to uh, I went to Home Depot and uh, I said, "Hey, I'm looking for a new refrigerator." The guy says, "Well, when do you need it?" I said, uh, "Today." And he said, uh, "I hope you're looking for a black side by side. That's all we got." And I said, "As a matter of fact, I am." <laughs> they had one refrigerator that they could deliver. So I went there like uh, Monday or Tuesday before I went to New York. So I went to New York on Sunday. Yeah. And they said, yeah, we can get it to you uh, next week. But I was going to be gone. So I had to wait till um, yesterday. But, you know, all this supply chain horrors you hear, it's all bullshit. I mean, I went into Home Depot and bought a refrigerator and got it in Basically on time when I wanted it. What's the now? Had I wanted the black stainless steel? Oh, that would have been a little uh, bit different. Yeah. What is I think the, we're looking twenty twenty. Appliances. <laughs> appliances have made some pretty gigantic strides. Is there anything your new refrigerator does that would surprise the rest of us? No, I don't want any of that stuff. I do not want my refrigerator connected to the internet to know when I need to, you know, resupply uh, the yogurt. Um, oh, really? I don't want I don't want Big Brother and Alexa knowing what's in my refrigerator. So you got none of it. Right? You, you got a dumb refrigerator. Well, it plugs in, and you can get water out and ice out of the front, and that's it. That's pretty smart. No internet connectivity. It's actually dumber than the refrigerator I had. The refrigerator I used to have, uh, you could set how much water you wanted to come out. Ooh. So wow. when I made my steel cut. Oatmeal, oatmeal every morning. morning i could just put the pot up there and a cup and a half of water and come spitting out of there in no time now i actually got to get a measuring cup and measure it wow it does yeah. that impact your quality of life or well think about think about the great resources that are being used now i've got to get a different thing i've got to get it out you know, so now <laughs> it's a measuring so cup even after you did that pot. even after you did that calculus you still were all in on the black dumb refrigerator oh, yeah. yeah yeah mostly because i wanted a refrigerator there you go so there you go. Right. it's key 
that is key to modern life, you know, which, which, which segues into, um, I'm, hold on. I, I have no idea what you're about to say, but I'm fascinated by how the refrigerator of modern life segues into. Yeah. Refri re being able to refrigerate food yes. as part of being in modern life. Absolutely. Because if not, then we're Italians, right? We're curing and meat and, ha and ha exactly hanging it. I mean, I mean think about that. The incredible invention, right, of dried meats hanging from the rafters, right, with a skin around them as a mode of preservation. And so why would you ever endanger access to electricity? And we have the biggest state in our country, your home. Thank you. The Golden State. Rolling brownout, mm -hmm. uh, endangering their power grid, and again, to and putting modern life at risk. Yeah, it's, over, it's insanity. Over, over um, fawning over political points is exactly yeah. what that because we, um, hey, but governor, you know, we're not going to have the capability because historically, this is usage in the summer in Riverside County, okay? Because it gets hotter than shit out there. Yeah, look, I, I'm not gonna, I, no, I, I don't get very many votes out of Riverside County, so fuck that. They can have all the rolling blackouts they, they want. Um, but to, we're not gonna black it out in, in La Jolla. We're not gonna black it out in Tiburon. We're not gonna black it out in Brentwood and Pacific Palisades, and those are where my people are, okay? So. There you go. But again, it, it is this, we don't have the ass to do it. We'll do it anyway. <laughs> but I, I appreciate you not wanting to put yourself at risk there. So anyway. All right. What do you got going on today? Hey, let me ask you uh, back to kind of more serious discussions. What's the next thing you're looking for um, in this in this whole event? Because you know, I, we talked about the odd lot theory of investing. When ma, when grandma and grandpa start buying 84 shares of Apple, that means Apple's crested. By the time it gets there, it, you, you need to get the fuck out. So by the time the mainstream media comes to the conclusion that, hey, the Russian military is fighting, the Ukrainian military is fighting the Russians to a stalemate, right? Which all you have to do is get out your map on a daily basis and see the lack of movement that would actually make you scratch your head about that. Um, and then understand a little bit about history and the difficult problem the Russians have bit for themselves, and obviously this thing has surprised them. Um, we've known that for a while now. What What's the next thing you're looking for? The next either indicator, uh, the next thing you're looking for in this conflict? Yeah, is, uh, and so, right, warfare being a contest to human wills, um, Two men are in a fight, one knows they're gonna win, one knows they're gonna lose. Is is someone gonna recognize that they're not gonna get what they want and they'd go for the best deal? And has that already happened? Has the the idea of they're talking and they're being constructive, et cetera, and, and again, I haven't followed it too closely in the in the in the media, but but is is Putin 
going to actually get something what he wants. What were his war aims? He wanted seemingly control over Ukraine to fulfill an internal sort of narrative of his own internal Russian political narrative, but also to ensure that this this Russian security uh, dilemma of having buffer states out to Western Europe is fulfilled. Um, reinforce the Russian-speaking ethnic enclaves lying outside the Soviet Union. Are those sort of his war aims? And if they are, can he get them fulfilled? Because I think Zelensky has publicly a few times said, we don't want to be part of NATO. Uh, it doesn't appear there's any risk of the Russians giving up what they've already got in Crimea. Uh, and so can Putin, while failing to remove the Zelensky government, install his own puppet regime, take over the country, suffer a lot of casualties, can he still fulfill a war aim by significantly spanking the Ukrainians uh, and getting public declarations that they're never going to be part of NATO, et cetera. Does that fulfill a war aim? And is that enough for him to say, hmm, I got what I wanted, and so I'm going to get out of here? Because what are Zelensky's war aims now? He's in a war whether he likes it or not, but I've never heard him say, we want our country back all the way out to the borders of 2013. So his war aims are... Are the, are the survival of his regime? I don't know. So it seems like there could be a way to compromise there. Um, while we were jabbering, I actually pulled up the weather in Kiev. So well, well, well done. Yeah, lows, overnight lows in the twenties, overnight highs in the high thirties. So it's that miserable, muddy. Never and then people could say, "Well, well, it's cold enough, so it'll 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 thaw, it'll it'll freeze at night." Let me tell you, not underneath the tank, it won't. Right? It might under your bike tire. Maybe you could make that argument. By the time it gets to two o'clock in the afternoon, right, and you've got all the tonnage of tanks, you are you are. I used to call when I was in the the unit that Will commanded as a battalion commander. First Light Armored Infantry Battalion, which became First Light Armored Reconnaissance Battalion. It began as First Light Armored Vehicle Battalion. And I was in Charlie Company of the battalion. I was a third platoon commander. And at Pendleton in the winter, <clears throat> when we would go out to operate, I would call that, you know, people would say, well, what, hey, sir, what are we going to do this week in the winter? And I would say, what do you think we're going to do? winching operations we're gonna suffer <laughs> we're gonna do winching operations right because you're gonna think you can go off road and then you're gonna go about 10 meters and you're gonna go eight wheels deep and then we're gonna spend the next 90 minutes extracting you from that shit and the good news is that we're gonna get really good at winching your ass out of there right and then slowly but surely maybe we'll learn that the water table at pendleton right and the, even the, the mild ground saturation cannot stand, right, the 14 tons of LAV. And so when you take that and you, and you project it into 
Ukraine. I mean, it's just a nightmare. I mean, and again, you saw video, and I think a lot of people thought it was a drone, but it was actually an anti-tank mine, and it blew the shit out of a tank the other day. You know, it was planted in in a in a low crossing. Why was it planted there? Because it provided cover to the person installing it. Assuming somebody might be watching me from the sky, right? I can get into this little culvert, right? And then I can put this thing at low point in the road and get the fuck out of here and not get my own ass whacked. That will go on all over those Russian MSRs. And it's going to turn into a, a very, very difficult problem in terms of just sustainment. I mean, and, and when you think about that, sustainment being denied by virtue of, of stupid anti-tank mines yeah. that, that are easy to emplace. Um, it's the problem for Russia is, is not an, is, it's a hard problem they're, that they're working on. And um, to, so to me, I'm, I'm, I'm looking for indicators that they begin to contract. Can't do it. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, so so has that realization come to the Russian leadership at a mature level? And can they, on the military side and the political side, say we have achieved our war aim? Declare victory and go and so, home. Exactly. Yeah. Can they do that? That's and, what one uh, that's what one would hope they would do, right? Yeah, and, and I don't know. That's the thing. We we were talking about it a month ago. What are the Russians doing this for? And and I believe it's for an internal Russian political audience. Well, and, and, and let so, me and let me. I don't want to break your arm, patting yourself on the back, and do the same thing with myself simultaneously as well as 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 Timmy and Jeff. But when we talked about this, the calculus of this, we thought that this course of action was the least probable because it, it, it carried with it the most risk, right? Because there were things that would happen that once you lit the, them off, you didn't know where they were going to go. And this is exactly how this is played. What if, what if the Ukrainian military fights? What does it do to us? So if, if you want to take over the entire nation, which it appears was his design, right? You were going to, you were going to, you were going to throw the dice on this thing. And because it wasn't something that you could clearly project. And that's what he did. And now, I mean, it's like he's hanging, he's standing on the gallows. And the question is, do the Ukrainians have the juice to finish it, slip the noose around his neck and pull the trap door? And, and let me tell you, I think that's out. I, my own opinion is that that's out there. Um, and, you know, these things tip. There was There were stories yesterday about, Ukrainian counterattacks. And these things tip, when they tip, they tip in a hurry. Um, yeah. and, so, and so that's to me what I'm, the tea leaves I'm looking for is any indications and warnings that this thing is teetering because the Russians can't do any more than they're doing, which is shell civilian areas, do local incursions with infantry battalions, and then pull out. That's all they can do because they just don't have the ass to do anything else. Yeah, and I would say just, uh, and again, I don't know the Ukrainian order of battle, but um, mines and um, javelins Fuck. and snipers are very different than uh, 
offensive, you know, counterattack, which is vehicle, spearhead, cutting off, driving towards rear areas, destroying logistics. Um, Indirect fire. Yeah, you, right. yeah. And so I don't know that they have that kind of capability as opposed to uh, the local counterattack um, to regain, you know, key terrain that overlooks road intersections and right. makes all that support. Uh, and, 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 and again, wouldn't it be great to have credible reporting? Because look, if the Ukrainians counterattack across the street and take a building, to Time Magazine and New York Times, that's the great count, winter counteroffensive, right. you know? And so um, it, it it's hard to turn the capability that we've seen. We have not seen armored battles, right, that I know of. No. And so how do you counterattack to, to drive the Russians back the 50, 80, 100 miles uh, or so that they've come into the country without having that capability and also fight the same spring thaw. So um, I think that would be the, it would be a huge surprise to me had they generated that kind of capability and did it. Uh, and even if it was a dismounted capability that they took over stretches of the, the, the MSR to deny, right, and then say, okay, somebody yeah. else is going to hammer them. But even if they could generate that kind of combat power, again, so for me, indications and warnings that, that we see those blips in a, in a more dense way, that would be my, um, that's what, because again, looking at the map, they fought them to a stalemate. The Russians are, are are blasting the cities, which is all they can do. What's next, right? Yeah, What's and next? wouldn't it be interesting if they were able to do that, make that turn, and do it all without these MIGs that everyone's been cheerleading for and they're just not going to fucking get? Wouldn't that be interesting? You know? Well, and again, that's and, what's going to because again, the MIG is the MIG is taking on a life of its own. That's why I think to me. Uh, like I said, I wanted to have you on to rack and stack the different things that you could have as a as a force commander, and what would they be? And I think people, you know, if if, if you're listening and paying attention, and you understand that, you know, you know, there's times that we can be foolish when we're talking about this. We are not, and and as a commander, these are the things I would want. These are the things I can leverage into these things that you're talking about, and and and, and the MIG. Right is not is not that. There's things I need in numbers that I can use to turn this thing. And the MIG and, and as Will said, the MIG was six on a list of six. Yeah, and I, I tell you what, I'd be interested in the aviation guys out there. I think there's three of them that listen at least once every month or so. Um, I'm trying. I'm trying to, to track. Uh, I'm trying to track. Uh, you know, Kurt Knowles is our uh, air officer in Afghanistan. And to just to get him to explain, look, if, if you were, because again, an air officer is going to plan fires, aviation fires, and aviation support for, in our case, the regiment, right? So if you had this list and you and you had these goals, which which assets would you look? And again, there and, and Kurt's a fighter guy. He hates to not he hates to side with unmanned assets because I mean, who's going to play in the volleyball game? 
a bunch of chubby, you know, drone operators that are sitting at, at Nellis Air Force Base in Nevada. That's not what Tom Cruise had in mind when that's not the same volleyball <laughs> game as with Tom Cruise and Val Kilmer. And they hate that idea, right? Chubby guys in, in Zoom bags rolling around at PXs, right? And But if you ask them about the assets that they, they knew they could leverage in a big way, it is give me station time, give me shooters, give me cameras. I can turn all that into death, right? But 30 minutes of, you know, 20 minutes of fuel, you know, 30 minutes to go tank and another 20 minutes and then I got to go back. And, and that's what you're talking about when, when you talk about yeah. fixed wing assets in combat. Right. That's how much they have before they got to go home and get another three hours or six hours of maintenance done to them. It's just not efficient. Yeah. And uh, uh, looking at the weather over there, it looks partly sunny every day. So it doesn't look like it's uh, a lot of precipitation. But um, yeah, I would also be interested in. And just what he thought about the whole uh, air defense, you know, where where would that be prioritized? And mostly from the how do you support it side. Singers, Stinger, pretty easy to support. You give it to them, whatever the class takes, and off you go and you don't worry about it. I mean, we did it with the Mooj in 1979. Right. No, we did it with them in the 80s when Reagan came in. Right. Um, but other systems, while have huge capability, when operated by Westerners and integrated into all the other things we have, may have almost no utility in this situation if it can't be operated and supported and integrated. So I don't know. Well, and again, so you, that's the problem with the MIG, right? So look, what variant are we flying as opposed to, to what variant they own? Do the maintainers even have the right spare parts for our variant? And these are, I mean, I haven't seen this kind of nuanced discussion, but that's the shit we're talking about. Because if you can't do that shit, then guess what? It can't get up in the air. And you can't sustain it. And it, so, anyway. anyway. All right, well, I appreciate your time this morning. All righty. See All right. ya. Have a good day. I'll try. <laughs> That'll do it on a Thursday, St. Patrick's Day. And again, if if I if what Bill Hemmer said today is even remotely being considered by some shithead in Washington D.C., makes my want a head explode. That somehow or other. The Biden administration is managing the Ukraine's fight to maintain Vladimir Putin in power so he can help with the Iran deal. Yeah. You've got to be fucking kidding me. So anyway, uh, on that very positive note, uh, my thanks to Will for coming on. Uh, Obviously, Will smart guy, well thought. And again, not everybody, you know, agrees. But I don't think you could just fairy dust the nuclear thing, right, out of existence. I think that's irresponsible. So anyway, and again, the other thing I think it's unnecessary. The weapons that you can provide in large numbers will more than tilt that fight. More than tilt that fight. So on that note, 
I'm Mike McNamara. This is All Marine Radio. Thank you very much for listening. If I can help you help somebody relative to their life post-trauma, contact me. That's what I do. And we'll help them. We'll change their life. And not about living a good life, but living a great life. On that note, I'm out. Have a great day. Go Ukraine.